We're taking you from sideline to sideline and everything in between. It's your one-stop shop for all things football. Join me, Aaron Mukes, every Wednesday and Friday for fresh takes, breaking news, fantasy gold, and more. College and NFL, we got you covered. This is Sideline to Sideline, the podcast. All the spotted. The kick is away. And the kick is... Here comes the rush, and here's the hit, and a run. Second down attempt. Oh, what a hit. You can't do that. The quarterback, you can't he fight. the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. The 20. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms. Bear tested. Somebody stop that down. man. Jump, bitch. Ladies and gentlemen, now your host, Mr. Aaron Mutes, and his co-host, Akeem. This is your one-stop shop for all college and NFL football. Here is Sideline to Sideline. Welcome into another episode of Sideline to Sideline, the podcast fantasy show for week number seven. I am your host, Aaron Mukes. Uh, Now, my co-host today, David Gonzalez, is not in the building we had some schedule conflicts, and we're unable to get on the same page this week, but we are going to keep it pushing. We're still going to deliver our optimal lineups, and I will just be doing it solo. So David will join us again next week, and we will keep it rolling there. Uh, first thing I want to say is, man, another good week of football. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, things are getting a little bit dicey. We got running back issues, a lot of injuries to talk about. But, but one thing that I'm really going to get to is we're going to talk about these young guys. And I know I've touched on it before about how I feel the young guys should be getting these opportunities. And some of these coaches or these old football coach um, kind of mentalities is they like these veterans and, and they're kind of they're just reluctant to, to allow these young guys to, to take the full load. And with the injuries in the NFL and the, 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 the career lengths, the minimum three years, or the average of three-year career in the NFL, I think it's more important than ever to let these young guys get in there right away and show what they can do. And mainly because you never know. It it doesn't matter if you wait or you're trying to protect them. You can't protect football players. They are going to get hurt, and they are going to have to learn one way or the other. So why not let them learn on the fly, especially when you're a team that is not vying for playoff position or really don't have an opportunity to win the Super Bowl. And we're going to touch on that a couple of times today in a couple of different ways. Um, but first, I want to get into some news that it definitely impacts the, the fantasy world, and that's the Le'Veon Bell to Kansas City. We saw this past week against Buffalo, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. That's right, it's Elaire, not Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. It's no H, the H is silent. Um, as we saw Joe Buck just just butcher on on Monday night football or, you know, the early Monday night game. He just kept saying it wrong. And, you know, Joe Bucks, uh, he he has a long, illustrious career, and I got all the respect in the world for him. But when Troy Aikman is saying it right and you're saying it wrong, you would think somebody at Fox would would say something. Um, like, hey, buddy, you're you're not saying the, the name right or, you know, get in his ear about something. So, um, he's he's obviously one of the best. They put him on national games all the time, but somebody should have said something to him. It's Clyde Edwards Elair. Um, anyways, no fantasy implications there. I just thought I'd point that out. 
With that said, Le'Veon Bell was released by the Jets and now is with Kansas City. And he served his five-day or whatever it is, five-day waiting period for the COVID protocols. So when he shows up in when he shows up with the when he shows up in the Kansas City locker room now, he's able to practice and start doing things like that. But I want to talk about the, the impact he's going to have on CEH's value going forward. A lot of people this year drafted Clyde in the first round. And, you know, warranted maybe, maybe not. I mean, there was some discussion there. Maybe it should have been early second round. But anytime you have a running back in that offense, they're going to have value. And so what we're seeing now is, similar to last year, Kansas City goes out and gets a veteran guy. The only difference is, is Le'Veon Bell's a lot younger. And many people around the football world think he has a lot more in the tank. I, for one, I think, you know, I'm kind of off the Le'Veon Bell bandwagon. I think it's a, I think he's done damage to his career and his legacy by chasing money, by just sitting out the year, not being about football. And I think he's lost some of that star power. But there is one thing about Le'Veon Bell that you can't take away. His ability. He obviously is capable of making an impact for a roster. Mainly, when you look at this Kansas City roster and the amount of weapons they have, this is just adding more riches to the rich, right? The rich get richer. And, you know, I saw this meme or this... um, this meme or this gif on uh, on on Instagram, and it showed like Patrick Mahomes as Thanos, and he had the uh, you know all the stones in there, and Le'Veon Bell was like that sixth stone to give him all the power. And now Patrick Mahomes just has this plethora of weapons to disseminate the ball to. But we've seen, I mean, we've seen the Demarcus Robinsons, the Miko Hardmans, the uh, Byron Pringles. Uh, we've seen those guys make plays, and it doesn't really matter who. Mahomes has at his disposal, he's going to produce. And when you add a guy like Le'Veon Bell, it just makes it that much, um, that much crazier, right? So we want to talk about fantasy impact and where do we see Clyde Edwards Elaire going forward? And does he still have the same um kind of same cachet? Or is this going to be like a running back by committee? Is this something that's going to hurt his value um significantly? So I was looking at it. And I'm looking at the amount of touches he got against Buffalo and the way Buffalo was playing defense and how Kansas City was committing to the run. I think that was kind of, I think that was CEH's last hoorah as the main guy in Kansas City. And let me tell you why. Number one, we know they want Patrick Mahomes to throw the ball. And he's going to throw the ball. I mean, Buffalo literally had three guys on the line of scrimmage and sat eight in coverage all game. And Patrick Mahomes was saying, okay, we'll just run the ball today. It's raining. Fine. But that's not going to happen every game. And you see that even when teams do that against them, they still find a way to win. So I see Le'Veon coming into a Kansas City situation. Maybe not this week. Obviously, it's his first week there. He's got to learn the playbook. They have to be comfortable with each other. But as we move forward and the more comfortable Le'Veon gets in the offense... I see him playing a role in that backfield. And, you know, no disrespect to Daryl Williams, but Le'Veon Bell is just a better guy. He's just a better back. And so when he touches the ball and he's starting to make plays, I think it's going to be hard to keep him off the field in certain situations. He has more experience. He's probably a better pass blocker. 
a better receiver out of the backfield than Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I think that Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to lose some of his pass catching role and it's going to ultimately diminish his value. Don't get me wrong. He's not going to be a guy that you want to cut or you want to get rid of um, per se, um, unless you can trade, unless you can trade him and sell high. So, you know, coming off a week where he, you know, he went off against Buffalo, I would be looking to move him now. And if you can get a guy who maybe has underperformed or people are forgetting about, um, a la Chris Carson, who was off a bye week, or a Joe Mixon who has been kind of up and down this year, I would make that move in a heartbeat. And or or even for for a receiver who is consistent and you just know what you're gonna get from him. I, I a DK Metcalf type. I, I would look to make that move this week before Le'Veon Bell gets in the mix. Now, now what does that mean for Le'Veon Bell? Uh, those of you that have stuck by Le'Veon Bell this year, I don't know now's the time I would drop him or move on from him. I would see how he's going to be used first. I don't think this is going to be a Leonard Fournette to Tampa Bay situation. I think Le'Veon sees more opportunities in KC. They're going to run more offensive plays. They're more explosive. I just think that this could be a good opportunity to to squeeze some value out of Le'Veon, maybe in your flex position. And I mean, yes, maybe you didn't draft Le'Veon to be a flex, but watching him over the last two years in New York, it can't be worse than what you've been getting. I mean, he's been basically a player that shouldn't be rostered. And, and now you're getting an opportunity for him to go to a team with offensive weapons all over the field. He's not going to be the main guy, but he when he does touch the ball, he should have space to work with, and that's going to bode well for him. So I think you should just hold on tight, see how he's used before you kind of um, navigate the waters or decide to drop him or what his value is going to be going forward. Um, I want to move on to, to, the, to the Cowboys situation. And, you know, Dak Prescott leaving. We, we all saw the Monday night game uh, or what we thought was a game. And a lot of people are up in arms about, you know, now the fantasy value of the Ezekiel Elliott's, the Michael Gallup's, the CeeDee Lambs, and the Amari Coopers. Well, I want to say this. The Dallas Cowboy defense is not going to get better. So all, all the talk about, you know, what their value is going to look like, don't blame it on Andy Dalton. I mean, Andy Dalton's going to have a number of opportunities to get these guys the ball because we're always going to be on offense because our defense can't stop anybody. And we're always going to be playing from behind. So the Dallas Cowboys aren't going to be the team that's running the ball 50 times. Because they're playing from behind all the time. And their defense is bad. And that's not going to change in the near future. They seem to not be happy there. Their their playmakers on defense in the past are not making the plays. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. So what does that mean for for the offense? I mean, it means Andy Dalton's going to have opportunities to throw the ball. Last game, Andy Dalton threw the ball over 50 times. 50 times. That means 50 opportunities for a veteran quarterback to throw the ball to guys like Zeke, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, Dalton Schultz, all these guys. So we saw Cooper and Lamb both with 10 targets, both had seven catches. Amari had the best game, seven for 79 with a touchdown. I don't see their value changing much. 
I think that Andy Dalton will be better going forward. He's not going to be Dak Prescott, though. Can we stop that? Can we? I, I know this is not the show I rant on, but can we please stop with the Andy Dalton can do the same numbers that Dak Prescott can do in that offense? It was very clear Monday night that that's a false narrative. I don't need to see any more games to know that that is just not true. That is just something that people want to say because they don't like Dak Prescott and don't want him to get his money. It's not true. So let's move on from that. Let's let's stop talking about Andy Dalton is a better option for the Cowboys than, than Dak Prescott. But from a fantasy perspective, I do think Dalton has some relevance because the opportunities will be there. He didn't play his best game. But let's be honest, it was a Monday night game and Dalton's never done good in primetime. So he's never he's never been a primetime quarterback. In his first game with a new team, I, I expect he will get better as we go forward, especially because the Cowboys' schedule gets much easier as they play Washington this week. But if I'm a, if I'm an owner of Ezekiel Elliott, who, who's been struggling with fumbles, I, I'm not worried. If I'm an owner of C.D. Lamb or Amari Cooper, I'm not worried. Dalton Schultz, I'm not worried. But maybe Michael Gallup. They're, they're trying to get him the ball, but he hasn't produced the way we thought he would this year. And a lot of it's been because we've been working the middle of the field more and he plays on the outside and CD lamb is so electric that he's getting open and there's a lot of yards and space there. But I, I think Gallup will be okay. I think Gallup will, they still take deep shots to him. When we get in the red zone, they still like to throw the fade to him. So I expect better days from Michael Gallup. Um, other things that you know that happened in this past week we got to talk about are some of the injuries. Obviously, Dalvin Cook was out against Minnesota. Or I'm sorry, uh, Dalvin Cook was out against Atlanta, and they looked bad. Kirk Cousins looked bad. Alexander Madison looked bad, and I was, you know, I was so excited. I had Alexander Madison in a couple of leagues that I was able to to say, man, I'm just going to plug him in and play. It should be a, a wide or a running back one type of week for him against that Atlanta Falcons defense, and he did nothing. And again, it just goes to show you that not every replacement player is capable of doing what the starter does. They're backups for a reason. And it's not that easy to just come in and fill in for a guy like Dalvin Cook. And you could say, well, Dalvin Cook wouldn't have done anything either. Maybe. But I've seen what Dalvin Cook can do. And I've seen the way they use him. So just just temper your expectations when you have guys that are, you know, backups or handcuffs and what you expect of them when they get the starting role. Alexander Madison was very high on our waiver wire target list last week. Uh, he was, his projected point total was like 17 or 18 points. He did nothing. He didn't look like a very good running back. And I know he didn't get the touches he wanted because they were way behind. But in the passing game, in the running, he just looked bad. It's not Dalvin Cook. Okay, he's not Dalvin Cook. Uh, we also saw Miles Sanders, who got injured, and it just seems to be a reoccurring theme with the Philadelphia Eagles. He, send, he tends to be hurt a lot, and he has so much potential. Like running back one potential, it, it, it's right there, but he continues to get hurt, and now we're looking at um, a replacement there in Philadelphia with Miles Sanders on a short week, he's probably not going to be ready to play against the Giants on Thursday. Look for him to be out uh, a couple of weeks. 
Um, another running back that got hurt. This is why we tell you running back depth is so important in fantasy. When you're drafting, you need to draft for running back depth and understand that the running backs that start on your roster will probably get hurt at some point in time because that's what happens to running backs. Be deep at running back. If you lose a guy, have another guy that you can fill in with a high floor and just just so you know you're not missing out or you're scouring the waiver wire for the guys that are, are PPR backs that might not be able to be consistent enough. And we will talk about some of those guys um, as we as we go through this show when we when we talk about their the top waiver wires for this week. So Mark Ingram got hurt. Uh, he left the game. He came back for a short period of time and then he left again and did not return. They didn't really need him. Um, but let, let, we've talked about this Ravens backfield. The Ravens backfield is one that I'm just it, who knows. It's it's worse than the Rams to be honest. They're not running the ball as good as they were before and you have three guys in Gus Edwards Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins who at any week could be the leading ball carrier and that's frustrating as a fantasy owner because you can't trust any of them and so with that you can't start them none of them are startable so I'm moving away from all my Baltimore running backs at this point from a redraft perspective I think dynasty you still hold on to J.K. Dobbins with Mark Ingram being a free agent I see JK, you know, the future is probably his, but right now for 2020, you have to move on. You have to find other guys. Um, if, if Ingram does miss time, I actually like Gus Edwards as the play right now. They seem to trust him. He's running more electric than Mark Ingram. So that's probably where I would lean if you're desperate, but I, I'd still probably just stay away. The other injury of note was Zach Ertz getting injured. Now, Zach Ertz has not been good this year. Coming into the season, he was a top tight end, or at least perceived as one. He has not lived up to that ADP. And with the return of Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz being out for a couple of weeks now, I think this is going to be the uh, the beginning of the end for Zach Ertz in Philadelphia. And I don't know if Goddard's going to play on Thursday or not, but if he doesn't, he will for sure be back the following week. I think that's the last time you'll see Zach Ertz as the lead tight end in Philadelphia. I think with the contract disputes and him not being happy about the number of targets, I think they're going away from him, and this injury just gives them further reason to do so. I, I'm, I'm out on Zach Ertz. I would be selling all shares. If somebody is still believing in him or his ability, I would get whatever you can for him. Um, I would be moving him as soon as possible. All right, now let's talk about replacements. Uh, We will save the rookie talk for a minute, but I want to talk about replacements and the waiver wire and who we should be targeting this week. For week seven, we have a couple of teams that are on bye weeks. And bye weeks, now that bye weeks are are in full effect and you still have the opportunity where maybe COVID prevents or prevents some games from happening so we could have additional teams on bye weeks, it is really imperative that we are uh, present on the waiver wire and we are knowing which players are you know gonna give our cha- our team the best chance to win whether that's uh high floors low ceiling or low floors or high floors lower ceilings or somebody who has a low floor but has a very very high reward um, if they hit so um, i want to talk about some of the top waiver wire targets for week seven uh, my number one waiver wire target for this week is boston scott and Mainly because he's playing against the Giants. 
on a Thursday night. I I, I think without Miles Sanders and they're banged up in the they're going to be at home. The Giants are traveling. We know how Thursday night games go when teams are traveling. Um, it's a good spot for Philly here. I think Philly ends up running away with this game. And Boston Scott, I'll, I'll go one. I'll give you one and two at the same time because two players on my list are Philadelphia Eagles, and that's Boston Scott and Travis Fulgham. Uh, Fulgham might not be available in your league as he's he's had a couple of breakout weeks, so a lot of people have been going after him. But he's still available in a ton of leagues, and he's showing that. He looks like he's he's legit, that he's going to be consistent. Now, we do expect Deshaun Jackson to come back this week, but I don't know that that's going to take away from Travis Fulgham's uh, impact in the offense. I think they really like him. I think they're running plays for him. So I still like him as one of the top two waiver wire targets. So Boston Scott and Travis Fulgham, if your waivers already ran and they're still out there, go pick them up. Um, I know this is not going to be heard until after the Thursday night game. If you were unable to get them um, next week, the same thing will apply. If Miles Sanders is out, Boston Scott is a legit threat. And Travis Fulgham should already be on people's rosters the way he's been playing. So those are my two waiver wire targets for week seven. Um, Now getting into obviously the weekend, which is going to be more applicable to some of the listeners here. Um, I'm going after Tua this week. And I know they're on a bye week, but... I think this is a good spot for Tua. I actually was in desperate need of a quarterback in one of my leagues, and I spent 28 fab dollars on Tua uh, this week. And, you know, maybe maybe a regrettable thing. Nobody spent more than two except for me, but I was in dire, dire need of a quarterback um, after losing Dak Prescott. So, and the way Baker Mayfield's been playing, he's on my roster, and I'm still waiting to see Drew Locke get back to his form from last year. So I, I felt like I needed... Um, a possibility of somebody coming in and, and playing well. So looked at to a schedule. The schedule is easy. Um, I wanted to to go ahead and get him. So I put 28 fab dollars on him and I did get him. And so I know they're on a bye week and you're eating that bye week, but I think it'll be worth it if you're really in desperate need of a quarterback. I think that's a good move there. Uh, one other running back I wanted to talk about, and that's that's uh, JD McKissick. And this is a, a guy that has a super high floor. He is, he's getting a majority of the snaps in Washington because they're playing from behind. He's very game script. Um, it's a positive great game script for him. When they're playing from behind, they're throwing a lot. Kyle Allen likes to check down to the running back, as we saw last year in Carolina. So he's seeing five, six targets a game, and he's making the most of them. And he's seeing some carries behind Antonio Gibson. So um, this week is a great matchup with Dallas. Dallas's defense is extremely soft. Um, I would be looking at J.D. McKissick as a guy. If you, He's not going to win you a week. He's not going to go out and have 100 yards and two touchdowns. But he's not going to lose you a week. And he has a very high floor. Um, so if you need 10, 12 points, I would go out and get a guy like J.D. McKissick and, and plug him into your lineup. Um, one other guy I'm looking at, and that's Chris Thompson. I know everybody's enamored with James Robinson and rightfully so he's, he's put together a great rookie campaign, but he's losing some steam um, over the last couple of weeks. And there's going to come a point in time. Jacksonville continues to fall from behind. Uh, I think Chris Thompson's experience and his ability to catch passes out of the backfield will allow him to get more playing time. And I really think you want to be that, be the guy that gets him before everybody else does right before he has the big, 
the big breakout game or James Robinson gets hurt. You you want to already have you want to already have him on your roster. And so when we look at the percentage of snaps played, um, he's he's about almost they're almost 50-50 at this point. It, you know, uh, he's playing 44% of snaps, and he hasn't had a real big game or anything like that, but he is seeing a hefty um volume in the passing game. He's seeing three to five targets. Um, obviously they're going to be high percentage completions. Um, so just, just something to keep in mind. If you have an extra roster spot or somebody on your bench that is doing absolutely nothing, Chris Thompson is a guy that I would keep an eye on. All right, let's talk about these rookies. Um, I, I don't want to harp on what I've been harping on too long, but we finally saw Detroit give DeAndre Swift the ball. And you see what happened. Like, you, I mean, did everybody watch that game? We he he got 14 carries, 116 yards. He averaged eight yards a carry, scored two touchdowns, caught three passes out of the backfield. Now they didn't result in many yards, but his versatility was there. Um, I think we need to get to this point where we have got to stop looking at Adrian Peterson if you're a Detroit Lions coach. And saying, hey, we can win with this guy. It's not about that. The Detroit Lions are in no position to win right now. You have a running back who's shown that he's very, very capable, right? And he's a young guy. Why not get him more involved? He's only seeing about 30% of the snaps. 38 last week, 38% of the snaps last week, and he was highly productive. He's a game breaker. Like this is a difference maker. And Detroit has to, they, I mean, they have to know this. They have to know this. Um, Adrian, Adrian Peterson's percentage of snaps went down significantly. He he was at 27%. He got 15 carries, but he only rushed for 40 yards. He still got in the end zone, uh, 2.7 yards per carry, but he's older. He's not going to get better. He's only going to continue to decline, and there's no relevant use for him in the passing game. When are they just going to go away from Adrian Peterson? I don't know, but the encouraging sign was DeAndre Swift got much more carries. Um, we saw Carryon Johnson is is still he's still there. He he's not touching the ball a whole lot, which is interesting, but he still plays like it's like 30 30 30. That's their, how they're separating the timeshare and it makes no sense. It makes no sense. DeAndre Swift is ready. Let him go. Let him go. Matt Patricia's trying to be this Bill Belichick mold. And honestly, he's falling way short. You don't see Mike Vrabel in Tennessee saying, you know what? We're going to be just like Bill Belichick. And Derrick Henry, you're only going to see 30% of the snaps. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's a mold of Bill Belichick as well. And he does, he did learn some things from Bill Belichick, but he's not making that mistake. And as the season goes on, I think I think we'll see more and more involvement from DeAndre Swift, but I, I don't know, man. Matt Patricia is he's he's working his way right out of Detroit. I know that. You don't have to be a football coach or you know even a football guy to see that Adrian Peterson should not be getting the ball over DeAndre Swift. That's it. Uh, one of the other young guys, uh, Chase Claypool, had another decent game or another decent game. I mean, the week before, obviously, he had a monster game. Uh, there was no way he was going to be able to match that. But we saw this week he, he had another good game. He played a ton of uh, snaps, 78% of the snaps. He only had four catches, 74 yards, but he did 
end up getting in the end zone on a rushing touchdown. He's had two to three carries every game the last couple of games. Um, my only concern with Claypool is once Deontay Johnson comes back, does he go back to seeing only 20 to 30% of the snaps? And that would be my concern. But going forward in a dynasty or uh, any kind of keeper league, man, this guy is going to be something special. So uh, I see Juju walking when his contract's up, and I see Chase Claypool being the number one in Pittsburgh. Um, who knows how long Ben's going to be there, but he says he has a lot left in the tank. So um, I, I could see Claypool having some huge value there on all keeper and, and dynasty formats. I would be looking to acquire him uh, before his value gets so high that it's not worth it. And then if you're in a redraft league, now might be a good time to actually sell him uh, with Deontay Johnson possibly returning um, because I don't know that he's going to see the targets or the playing time that that he's been seeing over the last couple of weeks. All right, it is that time. I told you guys earlier, David is not in the building today, which is unfortunate for me because optimal lineup week six that's right. Aaron got the win. Uh, I came through with a clutch win. I had a solid lineup uh, led by Kyler Murray against Dallas. We all knew that was going to be a big day for Kyler Murray. And he did it only completing nine passes. I mean, think about that. The man is the number one fantasy quarterback. He's completing nine passes. What he does with his legs is is just, I mean, he is special. He is absolutely special. And for those people that talked about Baker Mayfield getting drafted number one, and then Kyler was too small. And I mean, Kyler Murray is, is light years ahead of Baker Mayfield in, in every aspect of the game. It's not even close. And I expect his, his upward trajectory trajectory to continue. And the sky's the limit for that kid, man. He's, he's unbelievable. Uh, But I also had Derrick Henry in my lineup. I told you guys that matchup. I also said it on the lineup setters on Sunday morning that get Derrick Henry, play him in your daily fantasy because he is the guy, especially going against Houston. That's a poor run defense. And what did he do? He had another 200 yard day. Um, He's just, he's honestly, he's, he's put all the, all the hate that was inside of me for him. Not because I didn't feel like, not because I wanted to hate him. I just never, liked those big backs that guys that run real high. Um, I've always felt like they've just fallen short of what they're, what they are capable of. But Derrick Henry has proven me wrong. He is an elite running back and he is, he is somebody you gotta, you gotta give credit to. And he's one of the best running backs in football. Um, Even, you know, despite his, his limited pass catching ability or, uh, ability to when he has to go from side to side or change direction, it's a little bit slower and can sometimes cause him to have games where he's only averaging two, three yards a carry. These games right here are just special. And um, I'm probably going to lose a bet this year because I said he wouldn't get 1,200 yards, but he's deserved it. He's earned all the the money he's gotten for his contract and all the praise he's gotten. He's, he's one of the best running backs in football. Um, so yeah, so I, I got David this week. I was 144 to 111. So quite an ass whooping. I uh, can't talk shit cause he's not here, but I did let him know, um, to submit his lineup to me for this week. So we will go over that right now. All right. So David's lineup for week seven. Um, he went, he went with Aaron Rodgers. Now, you know, coming off a bad game 
Um, I, I think this is a really, really good pick. You know, Aaron Rodgers had a tough day at the office against Tampa last week. And I, I don't see it. I don't see that happening again. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. It's Aaron Rodgers. He usually has a way of bouncing back. They get a nice matchup here against the Texans, who has allowed, you know, everybody to move the ball up and down the field on them. Ryan Tannehill looked like Joe Montana. So I, I like I like that start there for David. He he went strong with Aaron Rodgers. Uh Josh Jacobs was an interesting pick to me. Um Tampa Bay defense is 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 elite. Their 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 front seven is unreal, man. Like that def- the way that defense is playing right now, it's one of the best defenses in football. I don't know about the Josh Jacobs pick here. Uh, I'm sure there's a little bit of homerism in there with David. He likes the Raiders. So next week, man, we'll see what he does. But next week, if 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 Jacobs has a bad day, I'm gonna be on David. I'm gonna be I'm gonna I'm gonna let him have it a little bit because this seems like a little bit of a homer pick. We'll see though. Uh, he also went with Ezekiel Elliott against Washington. I think that's a good pick. I think Zeke bounces back. And even if he doesn't, like his floor is so high. He's never going to have games where he's got like two points or anything like that. So I think that's a good pick there. Uh, Kenny Galladay. Uh, we both went Galladay last week. Um, I also like the Galladay matchup this week. I think against the Falcons. I think he has a good day. I think Galladay's in my optimal lineup this week as well. Uh, Terry McLaurin against Dallas. Can't go wrong going against going with any receiver that plays against the Cowboys. Uh, if Daryl Worley, if Worley is on the field this week for the Cowboys, I'd throw over to his side every time. He has got to be the worst defensive back in football. I don't know how he's playing. I, I don't know how we don't have anybody better, but he's got to go. Um, another subject for another day. He also goes with Tyreek Hill, who is coming off another poor game. Um, he goes against Denver. Um, look for... Look for Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill to connect quite often in this one. I like that pick for David as well. Uh, he goes Evan Ingram on Thursday night against Philly. Um, I don't know about that pick. Evan Ingram's been disappointing with all that talent, but um, he is capable of having a huge day. And then he goes against, or he goes with the Patriots defense as they host the 49ers. I like that as well. That's two weeks in a row. He's gone New England defense and Kenny Galladay. So he's, Staying true to form, once he has his guys, he likes his guys, and he st- he tends to stick with them. Uh, so there's David's lineup right there. It's Aaron Rodgers, Josh Jacobs, Ezekiel Elliott, Kenny Galladay, Terry McLaurin, Tyreek Hill, Evan Ingram, and the New England defense. And now for yours truly, uh, I, I too stayed true to form and went with Kyler Murray. Again, um, I, I chose Kyler Murray last week against Dallas. He gets another nice matchup here against Seattle. Even though it's a division game, Seattle's defense has been poor. I like Kyler Murray in this one. I'm going Kareem Hunt against Cincinnati. We saw what Cleveland did earlier this year to Cincinnati. They ran the ball all over them. It was the best offensive day for Kareem Hunt and and Nick Chubb. Um, With no Chubb there now, I think Hunt gets the bulk of the carries. I think he has a big day coming off a bad performance. Um, for my other running back, I'm going Aaron Jones. That's right. Aaron Jones. Everybody should know why they are playing Houston. I just took Derrick Henry against Houston. He ran for 200 yards. Aaron Jones comes in and I expect him to do big things. 
I'm going DeAndre Hopkins, so the Kyler D-Hop connection against Seattle. I'm going Odell Beckham, also a Cleveland Browns. They're playing Cincinnati. We watched Cincinnati give up a 24-point lead against the Colts, or 21-point lead against the Colts. And Phillip Rivers had his best day of the year, throwing for over 300 yards. I think Odell and Baker get right again this game. Uh, as I mentioned, I am also going Kenny Galladay. I think the matchup is good against Atlanta. For tight end, I am going Hunter Henry. I think they're coming off a bye week. Hunter Henry is a guy, he's just solid, he's consistent. Um, he's one of the few pass catchers there with the Chargers. Um, and they're playing Jacksonville. Uh, I, I Herbert's looked really good, so I'm going to go Hunter Henry there. And then everybody knows I always have to take somebody who plays the Jets, so I'm going the Buffalo defense against the Jets. By the way, last week, Miami's defense against the Jets scored 23 points, didn't give up a single point. So I expect Buffalo, who hasn't been that good defensively this year, to get right against Adam Gase's Jets. There it is, folks. That's our optimal lineups. We will see. <clears throat> I am trying to come back from a 5-0 deficit. It is now 5-1. After this week, it shall be 5-2, and I will continue my hot streak against Mr. Gonzalez. Uh, another good show in the books. Everybody check out our Friday show, Sideline to Sideline, the podcast. Friday mornings drop, 3 a.m. Pacific time. I will have my rant of the week. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Sideline to Sideline, the podcast. Um, it's a page off of my Aaron Mukes page. Instagram, Sideline to Sideline underscore podcast. And Twitter, at S2 Podcast. Uh, send us questions. You can talk about anything. If you want me to talk about something on a podcast, let me know. Uh, also, follow David at SAC Experts on Twitter. And again, he's always shooting out little uh, nuggets, news and notes, um, little food for thought quotes, um, you know, talking about lineups and trades and posting his deals and, and things like that. And he'll definitely engage with you. You can ask questions on there as well. And we will talk about them on the podcast. So uh, we are going to keep this show to 30 minutes or less. Uh, we went about 30, 35 today. Um, quick fantasy notes. Set your lineups. Go get those waiver wire target targets. Boston Scott, Travis Fulgham, Tua Tagovailoa, and then also uh, J.D. McKissick and uh, Chris Thompson. Go get those guys. Win your week this week. Everybody that's doing redraft, good luck. And until next time, peace out.